0: Welcome to Commercial Real Estate Investing from A to Z, the ultimate guide for real estate investors. I'm your host, Steph Baldrini. We cover everything you need to know from finding and analyzing properties to financing and managing your investments. Tune in every week for expert insights and tips so you can make your commercial real estate dreams come true. And in today's episode, we are answering a listener's question. This person is thinking of moving away from residential, multifamily, and into industrial, and he wants to learn how to manage an industrial property, how to manage an industrial portfolio. What are the key things to keep in mind? And he specifically asked for Chad Griffiths. As we all know, he is a great guest that has been here before. He is a partner at NAI Commercial Real Estate. He has been in the space for almost two decades. We're splitting this interview into two episodes. Next one will be, what is the state of industrial investing today? Here we go. Chad, thank you so much for joining us for the third time. We had a listener say that he really enjoyed your episodes and he actually asked a couple of questions uh, regarding industrial and uh, why not bring you back to answer his questions. But first, why don't you tell us a little bit about you?
1: Yeah, thanks, Devin. Uh, Glad to be back. I love talking about industrial real estate, as as you know, and I love talking to other people that are passionate about real estate as well. So it's an absolute pleasure of mine to be back. So I started in industrial real estate in 2005. I started as a broker uh, and As I was starting to build my career and save some money, I always had a long-term objective of starting to build a portfolio myself. So in 2014, I bought my first property with a partner, and that same partner and I uh, have pretty much added a property every year uh, since 2014. So uh, we're closing on a property this week, actually, which will take our portfolio to about 150,000 square feet worth of of industrial property. And that's predominantly flex industrial and manufacturing property. But I also talk a lot about The warehousing side of industrial real estate as well. But those that really does cover the three subcategories of industrial real estate manufacturing properties, warehouses, and flex. And I know your background and passion is self storage. I'd, I'd pretty much kind of include that self storage element into flex. But I'm sure there's people out there that have also even been able to do self storage in. Uh, manufacturing properties or warehousing properties, sometimes even retail or office properties as well. So it's it really is a diverse asset class. I love talking about anything to do with it. So I'm happy to dive into the topic further.
0: So he is currently in multifamily and he wants to learn more about industrial. So his first question was how to manage an industrial property.
1: That's a great question to dive into because i think that management on the different asset classes is so important in itself and it's one of the reasons that i steered out of residential i before i started investing in industrial i had some single family houses and i had a fourplex so i was not nearly at the scale of some investors are but i saw that as you scale a residential or multifamily portfolio, it becomes so much more management intensive. Uh, and just one example, a property that we bought two years ago, it's a, about a $3 million building, and there's a single tenant in there. It's a Fortune 1000 tenant that occupies the building, kind of a manufacturing uh, facility. So we have a really large company that's the tenant on a long-term basis, and it's one tenant. Now a $3 million multifamily building by comparison, it'll vary from market to market, but even just say that it's 20 units. Uh, so the same investment that you have into the property, one you have to manage 20 tenants, one you have to manage one industrial tenant. And the way our lease is structured, it's called triple net, which the intent of it is that the tenant is responsible for paying all the operating costs on the on the property. And that generally includes repairs and maintenance. So instead of them calling us for every little thing that go wrong, quite often they just fix things themselves. So in two years, I think I've been to that property a couple of times and we self-manage that one. My my partner and I manage that one, but we also have other properties with more tenants in there and we we have property managers in those ones. So even though it's, it's a lot easier to manage from a time and, and energy and just a focus standpoint, there are times when I think, you do want to have a professional property manager in there.
0: Why don't we dive into when should you get an on-site manager and how often do they need to go there, et cetera?
1: So I would say the deciding factor for us and how we choose whether we are going to self-manage or whether we have it is largely down to how complex the situation gets. And even though you're not dealing with the same amount of tenants, uh, the largest property that we have, I think we have... I'd have to count because we've merged some and as some of the spaces combined, but I think we have 10 tenants in that one. There is more things that come up just because of the scale of having now you have 10 tenants in there versus the building where we have one tenant, you have one point of contact. It's very easy for us to, to follow up with either the general manager or with the company of that size, you're typically dealing with a like a, a regional vice president or somebody responsible for that area. So you have one, maybe two points of contact. And again, they take care of most of the things and minor things anyways that go wrong. If there is a unit heater or something like an electrical issue, then we would get involved and have a contractor come to address it. But it's just much less time intensive to look after one tenant. And the one where we have 10 tenants, there's smaller tenants. They need a little bit more hand holding because they might not know how everything works, there's also common area in there. So anytime you're dealing with tenants having to interact, then you potentially have issues. Uh, so the one building that's second floor office tenants in there. So there's a common washroom. So if that washroom isn't kept clean, then one tenant calls and complains and they're arguing with who's responsible for it. So that one does require just more day-to-day attention. And for that one, I think it largely comes down to how much time someone wants to devote to that building. I don't think we're the best suited to actually be property managers. We're more focused on growing the portfolio, uh, trying to manage it from an asset level standpoint. And I think that he had that question as well, if I'm not mistaken, on managing it from an asset standpoint. There really is a couple of different ways you can look at it. You're managing the tenants, which is That is your cash flow. I'm a big believer that real estate is only worth some function of the rent that's coming into it. So you need to protect that. And that involves having a really good relationship with the tenants, but you still need to also manage the asset and that could be refinancing. And we talked about this earlier as well. There's a lot going into that right now. So you have to wear that asset manager hat on how you're maximizing the investment potential of that opportunity. So there's there's different hats that you have to wear dealing with smaller tenants. And and I think this would be similar in his story where he's in the multifamily space right now. The more tenants you have, just, just either it's more time coming out of your pocket or you have to have a property manager to do it. It's very, very difficult to scale uh, unless you have some systems in place or you are willing to hire a property manager. We're, we're perfect case study of it. We do both because there's times where it makes sense to do it. We can keep our costs lower. There's not a whole lot of work that goes into that one. Uh, whereas on the larger portfolios, larger properties inside the portfolio, I think having that property manager dedicated to handle issues as they come up means that we don't have to be involved in every single call of a washroom not being cleaned the one upside even with tenants like that though is it's not after hours so all the calls that we have or our property manager receives on our behalf are business hour calls so even with that I still think that there's upside to being in the commercial or industrial space versus being in that multifamily space where you're potentially dealing with problems at midnight
0: that makes a lot of sense. And in the multifamily and also uh, self-storage space, it's typically based on a percentage, the amount that you pay the property manager between, let's say, 5 to 10% if you have a single family home. Is it the same? Do you pay them by the hour? Do you pay them a salary? Or is it a percentage like other asset classes?
1: Yeah, they'll usually be some hybrid, like 5% seems to be a pretty common number uh, that gets thrown out there. But it also depends on how much work is involved. So if we did hire a property manager to manage the one that we self manage, it would be a lot easier for someone to manage versus having to manage uh, the same, same type of property with 10 tenants, even though they're the same same price and potentially even the same amount of rent coming in one is just going to require a lot less work than the other so it really does come down to what you negotiate with a property management company and they'll, they'll they'll typically be things in there as well that they will charge for additional work that they have to do so if they have to meet contractors on site or if they have to be involved with any of the discussions that's that's all points for negotiation uh but you, you what I'd recommend is if you are considering going the property management route to talk to a few people, because there's, there's a huge difference in property managers from the ones that create just like a robotic idea of like everything is just very mundane and it's the same process they do to do on everything as a low level of service all the way up to some property management companies that really do try to add value to the equation and provide you with more than you'd expect from that like lower service robotic element just as like hiring any other professional it's good to get recommendations that'd be the first thing that i'd start with is talk to other industrial property owners that that are using property managers get some recommendations and then just talk to a few with them and find one that you think would be the best fit for you and for the
0: tenants. Fantastic. I agree 100% on always asking for referrals. Is there anything else with regards to managing an industrial property or portfolio that you think is important for people that are getting into this asset class to know?
1: And I'm glad that you flushed that out because probably the most important thing beyond being an interface with the tenants, and that can be an owner or can be a property manager that somebody needs to interface with the tenants and all the issues that they have. So that's, that's mission critical in my mind. Uh, Once you have a tenant in there, you need to secure that relationship, make sure that they're happy, keep that tenant in there as long as possible is usually a better idea than turning over new tenants all the time. But beyond that tenant relationship, it's also very important uh, and this is this is the way that that most industrial leases will be structured is that it's a triple net basis so the tenants pay base or net rent to the landlord then they also pay for all the operating level expenses of the property so that's usually property taxes building insurance common area maintenance landscaping costs snow removal in in areas with snow that's a budget. So when a landlord gives a tenant their numbers in advance at the beginning of the year, the base rent that's contractually agreed upon. So that could be $10 a square foot for the whole term of the lease. There could be escalations in there, but that are, that's already known. That base rent is already known, whereas the operating costs, the landlord all that they can do at the beginning of the year is do an estimate. So they'll say this is what we think property taxes are, here's what we think insurance will be Here's what we think snow removal costs will be. And they try to do their best to come up with that budget number. And that's what they start collecting rent from on the tenant. At the end of the year, they've got to reconcile all those bills say, this is how much we actually paid on all these things, add up how much they paid, add up, add up how much they collected. And they either need to give an invoice for any amount that is still owing, or they actually give a credit or refund back to the tenants. And as you can appreciate those two events, first coming up with a budget, second coming up and reconciling all your bills, that that can take a lot of work. And it can also take a lot of estimating to say, well, this is what we think it's going to be. And quite often, new owners of properties, they don't have a baseline to say, well, we could expect that we're going to spend $5,000 a year just on landscaping for for the building. They can guess on that. But unless they have a track record to say well last year was 4800 the year before is 4600 so that's why we can confidently say this they're really guessing and they because that operating costs is collected in advance when the time comes for it to reconcile and you either have to send an invoice or send a credit no tenant will ever complain about getting a check in the mail but a tenant will not be happy if they get a ten thousand dollar invoice at the end of the year because it was poorly projected at the beginning so that starts to blend into that you, you have to manage your tenants you have to manage your asset that a property manager is really fulfilling a lot of roles to to really optimize the value of the asset. Every investor is buying real estate because they want to have the best return that they can get and to do that you need to you need to fulfill all these different hats like we'd talk about financing and uh just due diligence and dealing with your lenders and dealing with your insurance company and dealing with municipalities and dealing with all that stuff but at the end of the day we're all just trying to maximize the return on our investment and making mistakes like that and and i hear this happen actually surprisingly quite often especially with tenants that didn't have a good understanding of how a triple net lease worked and they get an invoice for ten thousand dollars at the end of the year if they didn't have expect that coming and they didn't even have a real good understanding of how that worked, that can be a huge sticker shock. And I can say from experience, not myself, uh, but from people that I know, that that severs that relationship between the landlord and the tenant automatically. From a property management perspective, you really just want to ask the question, if I'm going to hire someone out, what do I want that person to do? And if I'm going to do it myself, am I prepared to... Spend all the time, get everything right so that I'm maximizing this from a property management perspective. And I really do think you could look at it as property management and asset management are hand in glove. You need to be looking at both of them simultaneously. And having a property manager can be very, very beneficial if for no other reason than it's freeing up the owner to not have to deal with the day to day operating level conversations that need to have, but it can also have them help with budgets. If you need to see a quarterly statement to see how all this is going out. Most people, especially people that have been successful enough to be able to invest in industrial commercial real estate are savvy people. Much like yourself, Steph, you're you're a very smart woman. You could easily self-manage your properties and figure out how to do it. The only thing that I'd ask is, is that the best use of your time? And it might be, it might just be something that you want to have that operating level control. You want to be the face with the tenants. You want to control that whole conversation. And that's perfectly fine. And like I said, we do it on on some properties, but there's also times where we feel that our time could be better spent elsewhere and then bringing in somebody to do that on our behalf. So I don't have a long-winded uh, answer to your, to your question there, Steph, but I really do think to the guy that asked, you could definitely do it. I think professional property managers have so many more systems in place. They're organized from a level where they do this so methodically uh, that it just becomes second nature to them. And it's no different than than really anybody if if you want to buy or sell a property you could do it without a broker if someone wants to go and represent themselves in court they can do it without a lawyer if someone wants to get a tooth removed they can do it without a dentist Uh, but i don't know i I don't want to do any of those uh without a professional (laughs) me personally i want that dentist i want that lawyer i want that broker and in the majority of cases it makes sense to have a professional property manager in, in my opinion anyways
0: no, that that makes a lot of sense. And I really appreciate you digging into that very important part of it. And that actually reminded me in these kind of leases, there are many, many different clauses that are tied to specific dates. And I can recall an example that goes something like this from my mentor in the retail space. If the tenant does not notify us, let's say two months before their option is coming, that they will take advantage of the option, then their rent is going to be twice as much. And that is upon the tenant. That is their responsibility to put on their calendar two months uh, before their option is up five years from now, right? So people forget. And so do you manage those dates on these leases, or do you put that responsibility on the property manager?
1: It's a great question, and it speaks to the complexity of a commercial industrial lease as well. Coming from the multifamily space, that the gentleman that asked the question, he's probably used to dealing with like very short, concise leases. It's probably state mandated, or in a lot of areas, anyways. It's like the same form that everybody uses. It's intentionally very simple because, like, the average resident doesn't want to be overwhelmed and inundated with all this dense legal language. I'm working on a lease right now. It's 58 pages. That's the most boring, dry document you could possibly read. And is so dense with legal, legal language. And you're right. There's so many things that are in there. Like it's common to see an option to renew. There might be a right of first refusal uh, to purchase the building or to lease a neighboring space. There's so many things that, that actually can be contained in a lease. I think if somebody wanted to just buy one industrial property, they want to buy a $3 million industrial property of a single tenant, you can get your head around all of this stuff. So I think it is possible for someone to manage like one building by themselves. And they they could comfortably do it because they could have a lawyer help them with the the lease language to really understand all the th- things in there. They can put all the key dates into a couple different places to have reminders. They can navigate their way through it. But can you imagine having 10 buildings like that or 10 tenants where you have 10 leases with all this dense language? They're all going to be personalized for the company. So they're all somewhat unique, you have to look and extract all this key information, stay on top of it, you could just start understanding as soon as you start scaling, it becomes that much more cumbersome to self manage. Uh, but to, to start off, it'd be it's hard to self manage a large apartment building, like it's really tough to do that, because you're just always dealing with things, you could self manage a freestanding industrial property on your own. But as you Uh, increase your number of portfolios exactly like you said it just becomes so much more work uh, to have to keep on on top of that that's probably where you make make the decision to bring on a property manager but at the beginning, absolutely. If to answer your question directly, what we do is we've got dates in our CRM uh, that tracks everything, so we know when all of our leases are coming up, when the options to renew are, if there's any rights of first refusal, we track all of that. So it just it becomes like a system. It's we have an internal system that we do it, and property managers that do it on our behalf they have similar types of systems as well.
0: And which CRM do you use?
1: So we use one called Zoho. Uh, which is yep. similar to Salesforce. Mm-hmm. And I've tried all of them. Like I've I've done the ones that have the bells and whistles that were really expensive. There's a guy named Mike Lipsy uh, out of Florida who said this the best, and it's always stuck with me. The best CRM is the one that you use. And I've become very comfortable with Zoho. And that's, I've probably been on that one for four or five years now. And it's just, it's very simple. It doesn't have bells and whistles, so it's not overwhelming. And it's just a great tool. I have it open on my computer right now, uh, actually. Always. Always, <laughs> always looking at it. Well, what one do you use, out of curiosity?
0: I use right now ClickUp for managing tasks for our VAs. And I might try Trello because some of these tasks, nobody should be able to delete them. And I heard that in Trello, you can do that. But ClickUp hmm. is fantastic. It's extremely user friendly it's it, i really love clickup
1: i haven't even heard of it i'll have to look into that
0: we will continue this interview next week and if you haven't already make sure to subscribe to our newsletter at monicarlorei.com we will also be sending deals through that newsletter and i would love to thank one of our latest reviewers bruce eaton he said episode on taxes you read our minds no one talks about specific tax benefits we can take advantage of for different kinds of commercial real estate investing this is a brilliant topic to explore and share Thank you in advance. You are most welcome, Bruce. And you will be happy when we announce the summit that we're going to have at the end of this year on decreasing your taxes through real estate investing. It's going to be fantastic. Nobody really talks about this topic. So we decided to create our own. It's going to be probably in October this year. And uh, you are welcome to join us. And I will see you next time.